0: Hello and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 46. I'm Michelle Hawk and I'm here with my shaman sister, Catherine Bird. This offering was born out of our amazing conversations that we've had over the years of our friendship and sisterhood about what does it mean to do this work in the world? What does it mean to be a spiritual practitioner? What is the role of the seeker in modern society? And what the hell are we doing with these divinely inspired gifts and all this information coming through? We decided to make these conversations available to you, the public, so that you could have a clue into some of the insights that have been going on in our worlds, personally and professionally. Today, we are speaking about predators in the spiritual community, which I think is kind of a hilarious follow-up from our episode last week when we spoke about how to date a shaman. So the last week was the, if you've got your eye on that special psychic in your life or dating advice for the spiritual practitioner and the non-spiritual practitioner. And this week we're speaking about the predator, the shadow side of uh, of these people that we're seeing in our spiritual communities. So I, I think that's a nice little
1: segue there. (laughs) Kat, how are you doing this morning, afternoon? I'm great. Um, I'm amazing and wonderful and just like working on lots of little art projects and things, so. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah.
0: I went for my first proper run today after my shoulder injury. Actually, that's not true. My first proper run in maybe a couple of months after my shoulder injury and it felt spectacular.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing some pretty um, serious uh, qigong and <laughs> working with the staff every morning. Uh-huh. This has been super fun for me. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Well, we're all charged up with awesome positivity to talk about predators. Yeah. I hope that's not really inappropriate. I'm
1: just, I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's dive into this. Um, and let's just kind of start with what, what the hell are we talking about here? Um, it it seems like, honestly, it seems like something that we shouldn't have to talk about. It seems like something like, well, of course, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, with spiritual practitioners and people who are in this profession, uh, that. That's not a thing, right? That there are predators and people taking advantage of people. Um, But
0: of course it is. It's a thing.
1: Yeah. And And
0: unfortunately, you know, we, we like, you know, we who are in service to healing and in service to spirit like to think that some of that really gross, icky energy doesn't show up in these communities. And yet we are not exempt from uh, from of the from some of the really nasty stories that we're hearing about, you know? So everybody's heard about, uh, you know, there's and actually a really, I remember years ago seeing depictions of healers and of people who worked in the medical metaphysical community in pop culture. So on TV or like on TV shows or whatever. And it was pretty much universally a negative portrayal either in their, that they're too airy fairy and that they are really like, you know, not wanting to have anything to do with humanness, or that they're total frauds and that they're suckering people out of money. So this is in the, the pop culture view. I think it is shifting around a little bit. And yet there has always been this kind of shadow connotation, you know, people who, who sell snake oil, right. Who are trying to cheat people out of money
1: yeah and and there's a lot of people who kind of have that sort of internal uh you know view and, and and reality and experience around people who do spiritual work that you know mediums and psychics and it's all just a load of crap, and you're just you know whoever these people are, they're just trying to like you know get money from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know this is a whole other topic in and of itself almost but um, well it's it's one of the faces of
0: predation, right, and so taking advantage of financially and cheating people out of means, um, another face of the this predator aspect that we've been witnessing and hearing stories about in these communities is the sexual predator and those who are manipulating people using their position of power as a teacher, as a guru, as whatever to take advantage of the people who trust them and who are in vulnerable positions.
1: Yeah. And these are kind of these two places are really where we see the most Um, predation out there in our communities, you know, either, you know, people who are really taking advantage of people financially who, you know, have their followers who, you know, on the one, you know, far end of the spectrum, you know, the kind of guru phenomenon or, you know, leading kind of a spiritual community and, oh, you need to give us all your money and kind of buy into the community because we're all on this religious spiritual path together. Um, you know, we've seen this in all over the world in different places. And then also in this terms of, of taking advantage of people sexually. And so probably going to spend most of our time talking about these two, but you know, there are other ways that there are predatory behaviors that are happening in spiritual communities and with practitioners, uh, you know, that have to do with power, right? A lot of it is just like having to do with having power over someone else, So it it can be keeping somebody in their their victim mentality, their victimhood, um, keeping them broken, keeping them needing to be healed, keeping them needing assistance all the time. Um, You know, even actually, it's possible to actually take people's energy away from them in order to be that person who gives them energy, right? Mm -hmm. Who... Um, and it keeps, keeps someone reliant on them instead of teaching them how to take care of themselves and, and heal themselves and, and do the things for themselves. It actually becomes a, real, a kind of a codependent relationship where um, the pr- practitioner is maybe uh, using their power and their influence to convince this person that that they're the only person who's going to help them. They're the only person who's going to save them. They're the only person who's going to heal them. Um, they're the only person who loves them. Like all of these things are also in this sense, uh, an aspect of predation within spiritual communities that, you know, we often see when it gets to such a huge, crazy, narcissistic insanity, you know, that, you know, police have to be called in or somebody, you know, loses everything. Somebody that like crazy stuff will happen. And that's usually when we are aware of what's going on but it can be happening more in these subtle realms. So, um, and none of this is to scare anybody and be like, don't go see spiritual practitioners. Most of us are crazy awesome. We're Mm -hmm. super uh, loving and and authentic and ethical and amazing. And uh, it is worth going into this topic because I have seen a lot of people who have had some sort of, spiritual, psychic, energetic, sexual, emotional abuse through a practitioner or a teacher or a mentor, which has... Or even also not, and I want to make a distinction here,
0: we're, we're speaking about, yes, the people who are in the practitioner capacity, but also the people who hang out in this community, right? So you don't have to be a practitioner to put yourself in a role, a position of, of power... And take advantage of people in within the community. So especially, um, you know, I know a lot of the people who watch this are probably involved in some, you know, tantric communities or ecstatic dance or meditation groups or healing groups or whatever. And there are people who are attracted to these groups because they are vampiric and because they take that energy and because they put themselves in these types of relationships with people where they are taking advantage of the people who are showing up just who want to offer healing and show up for the love so even if they're not practitioners that they can still be in these this predatory role
1: yeah and even and even taking that a step further like practitioners can become victims of people who are looking to be in this sort of vampiric sort of taking advantage of 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 those of us who are like, I'm here to help, to serve, to heal, to hold space, to create, you know, this new earth reality. And there are those that are are looking to take advantage of that. And um, it's happening in the communities. It's also happening online. There are, are people who are engaging in these, you know, spiritual healing uh, groups who aren't there for the, like they're there for the light to kind of like suck the light out of the room and to look for those people who are like anyone need some energy today <laughs> like, have some yeah. it's like mm, don't do that please
0: mm. um, yeah, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: you know We're this, this yeah. is really multi-layered it's it's there's so many pieces here um and like we could talk on this probably for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. um and we want to make sure that we get the the most you know ding important pieces uh, where this can show up in in our in our practices with our clients um, in our communities. You know how do we hold space? How do we how do we help the people who have been going through this problem? Um, you know. And so what else are we talking about here? So we're talking about power uh, taking advantage of people sexually, money. Um, vampirism, vampirism, sort of just kind of going into the community or into a group to basically siphon energy off of people, off of the collective. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, Michelle? The, uh, well, I want to
0: mention one thing that we brought up last week in our How to Date a Shaman episode that narcissist or narcissistic sociopath empath dynamic that can appear. And this isn't always in the context of a romantic relationship. Sometimes it can be, a, you know, in a friendship or, or a practitioner-client relationship or something. But that's another way in which this predatory dynamic appears as well. So, you know, kind of some hallmarks that, you know, are across the board common among these different examples of predatory relationships are taking someone's power away from them. Slash convincing them that they are powerless. So it, it really is all about power. And whether that expresses through the finances, through the um, the sexual taking advantage of or through energetic predation, there it is always a power dynamic where someone is taking the power and someone is letting the power be taken away.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and you know, just in in general of our of our of our conscious communities you know so we have also so we have people who are sort of intentionally doing this they, they are are utilizing uh, conscious communities and um, people who are open and, and loving and free to to take advantage of people and then we also have people who are in these communities who through no almost really malicious will, they're they're coming from a background that is very wounded. They've they're uh, they don't understand uh, communication, consent, uh, emotional intelligence. Um, they you know come from backgrounds varying you know in their uh, understanding of boundaries. So then they can come into a community where all of the sudden it's like, Oh, everybody's hugging and loving and kind and present. And, um, you know, the signals can get mixed and, and then they don't, they might learn a modality or or learn something and then want to, to do that with someone. And it's inappropriate or like, there's, there's lots of things that can happen. And, you know, as people are, drawn to conscious communities, to healing communities. Um, you know, there's the part of themselves that wants to heal the part that can be, you know, triggered into its most shadow behavior in the community where they end up acting out, hurting people, hurting themselves, hurting the community. In an internal desire to actually rise into the light and to be who they, you know, could possibly be. And then we're sort of left with, you know, how do we deal with those people? How do we deal with people who are struggling, you know, with concepts, struggling with, with being able to integrate into a community when their family was so maybe dysfunctional that now their dysfunction is just rising to the surface to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And that process is is damaging and, and, and comes as predatory, predatory behaviors.
0: Yeah, even if they're not necessarily intending for it to express that way. So we've got a few, you know, this is a very multifaceted issue here, you know, where we have the people who are doing it on purpose and they know they're doing it. We have the people who are doing it on purpose, but they might not know that they're doing it, you know, and I think this is sort of in the, like the narcissist sociopath, like maybe it's not conscious, but it's just happening. And then the people who aren't doing it on purpose, don't know they're doing it, genuinely want to be involved, but just don't know how to do it in a healthy way. So we have these, you know, these three kind of categories of behavior. Let's start with the most dangerous ones. Let's start with the people who know exactly what the fuck they're doing and are doing it on purpose, right? So these are, uh, I think, also, in many ways, these are some of the. I don't want to say easiest spot because I, you know, I know that sometimes like they're hiding in plain sight and people don't see them. And actually, no, they're not the easiest to spot. I totally retract that. It's the most shocking after the fact. That's fair to say, where it's like, holy shit, you know, this is where we're talking like brainwashing, right? You know, where people are either, you know, maybe they're in a, they're working at a retreat center, or they're working for a spiritual teacher, or they're living in an ashram or something for years, and they're in this abusive relationship, an abusive power dynamic of some kind, where all their money and all their energy and all their life is basically devoted to this Thing outside of themselves, and they're doing it out of a service thing. And there's this brainwashing that goes on where people like, I don't know what's going on. I just I feel like I lost myself, but here I am living in service, and I this thing exists outside of me. That's a really you know one of the extreme extreme examples of this. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what are some of the warning signs? How do we avoid that? You
1: know, I've I have. I have quite a few friends who have um, been in cult situations in mm-hmm. you know, being with a guru and um, in a spiritual community that seems like, well, this is where I belong and love and, and all light and all of this stuff. And then eventually realizing what is going on. And sometimes it takes years and years to, number one, realize what's come, going on and then to extract yourself from that experience um so traumatizing but in you know in context of that there is there is often that experience of like you said i'm i'm disempowered and there are others around me that have power um And I'm there's something wrong with me there. I'm bad. I am lazy. You know, I've, I've, I've heard from different people. There's all the different kinds of techniques that are used in these scenarios, but you know, I'm lazy and I need to work harder, you know, for this group, for this guru. Uh, You know, I, I am, you know, I have this karma. That I have to uh work off or shed from my system. I have ego. I'm too full of my ego and I need to kill my ego. And so I have to go through these horrible things. And um, you know, it's hard to um, you know, extract yourself from an experience when things are so shrouded in spiritual in spirituality and spirit talk. Mm-hmm. Um, because on one hand it's like, oh, well, yes, I do need to, <laughs> like, you know, um, and I'm learning these spiritual tools and, and, and practices and, and things. And so sometimes it's harder to see the stuff that's underneath those things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think in general,
0: though, it's fair to say that, uh, you know, some of the common threads that you were saying, Kat, and, you know, knowing people myself as well, who have been in these Situations, there's this element of um, that you know something is wrong that needs to be fixed, and and the way that that expresses is you know like you were talking about the ego death or like I need to work harder whatever it is. But I think any and it's fair to say I'm I'm trying to insert the red flags in here so people can take note of if a practitioner tells you there is something wrong with you that you need to fix and i can help you fix that treat that as a red flag i would absolutely and especially if it comes with an i'm the only one who can help you fix that that is big fat red flag run away because any ethical practitioner is not first of all not ever going to tell you that anything's wrong right you know because it's like yeah we have our challenges and stuff but you don't go around telling people like yeah you're wrong you need to be fixed like that's that's not a thing that's very shaming it's very putting you know putting myself in a position of power over you and especially oh i'm the only one who can help you with that any good practitioner any ethical practitioner knows that everybody has some kind of medicine and there, is, there are many paths to the top of the mountain. I am certainly not the only practitioner who could help anybody at all. There are plenty of good practitioners out there. But if you decide that I am the right one for you, then that's completely in your court. And I am happy to help you. I am happy to work with you. But anyone who's saying you're not going to get this from anybody else, yeah, walk away.
1: Well, you and I, Michelle, are both challenged by uh, by dogma. you know. Uh, <laughs> And you know, I think it takes a level of self awareness as well to really be looking at yourself and your own patterns your patterns from your family, your patterns from uh, your relationships like things that you've gotten yourself into, um, you know, seeking love, uh, not loving yourself first and foremost over everything else. Um, you know, those patterns can be exploited by people, um, and. So sometimes it it really, you know, and it's funny because we can look at pe- certain people and like there's not a total pattern for people who will join cults because there are people from all walks of life, all different kinds of religious backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds and, and different things. I mean, that will, that will join these spiritual communities and, and get into this kind of, um, place. And it, I don't, honestly, this is like one of the most, we should do a whole episode just on this really. Um, and, um, yeah, cult. <laughs> spiritual cults yeah I've never been in a cult I don't know I've never been in a cult I'm I'm not I don't like people telling me what to do at all like not right
0: I'm I'm very anti-dogma I like run in the opposite direction you tell me that this is how I have to do something no There are many ways to do things. But
1: it can be subtle, you know, it's like, it can, you can be slowly sort of brought into something where you're like, all of a sudden, I I think that anything that, that gives you a sensation inside, that's like, this actually doesn't, this doesn't make me feel good. Like, this doesn't make me feel like a good person. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, another uh, piece is that oftentimes there will be a separation, like this, this experience is trying to separate you from friends, from family, from communicating with other people, from having your own things, uh, you know, your own car, your own money, your own clothes, your own things. Um, These can all be warning signs and not to say that there aren't beautiful spiritual communities where, you know, going in, you know, exactly what you're getting into. You are entering into a certain kind of life of, you know, not having, you know, not having a lot of stuff and things. Um, and you, you know, what's happening and it's, you know, can be totally above board and beautiful. Um, but, there, there are a lot of a lot of um, instances where this doesn't turn out to be the case. So,
0: right, those that are in on the up and up, you know, and and are practicing ethically, like they're going to be very transparent with you about, hey, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it. There, and I think it's important to make a distinction between. If something makes you not feel good in an unhealthy way or in a healthy, like growth edge pushing way. Yeah. And that, that does take a little bit of discernment, you know, because especially if we're going through some really sticky healing stuff, there can be some of those edges pushed where we're really working on our shit and it is uncomfortable. And yet we can usually tell the difference between, okay, I feel better after having this breakthrough. And I feel like it was in service to me, you know, being a good person, Kat, like you were saying, or it is in service to helping me feel more empowered as opposed to gosh, I feel like I'm really pushing this edge and I just feel awful in in a bad way. Right. So there's some of that, distinction of is it healthy discomfort or unhealthy discomfort mm-hmm. and uh, and allowing that healthy discomfort does have a role in the healing process
1: yeah and this is a very tricky thing because for a lot of people who maybe come from very dysfunctional homes or abusive backgrounds it is very challenging to peel those things apart um mm-hmm. and to not Not to go, oh, this is really uncomfortable as in abuse is occurring and it feels so familiar. It feels like love to me. So this is where, you know, uh, this is where I'm going to hang out. Um, You know, a lot of times people will have experienced abuse and not have realized that that was abuse at all until way later in the game when they can get some, you know, reflection on what's happened. Um, and this, this has happened, um, with a lot of, of other instances in, um, experiences and conversations that I've had, especially with, well, I, I think it's for, with women and, and men who've had, you know, sexual things that have happened or, you know, things that have happened in certain sessions with people or whatever, when on further inquiry and digging and reflection, I was like, oh no, actually that should never have happened or that was Mm -hmm really inappropriate and i didn't even i didn't even like signal it as inappropriate at the time because of maybe the power dynamic that was at play
0: because of the power dynamic or because of whatever container was in place where you know maybe there's an agreed upon oh you're working on me so i know that this is a healing session and yet there is i mean people who set a container there's I'm not sure exactly what words I want to say, like people can break the container, you know? So like an unethical practitioner is like, yeah, they might say, Hey, this is what's going on. Or, you know, say, Oh yeah, I'm doing healing work on you. And yet there's, um, you know, please don't take that as a given that, uh, you know, especially if it's someone that you've never worked with before, or you don't know personally, or don't have coming from a very strong recommended source or whatever the deal, or maybe you get a vibe or it's, really tricky Uh, quite honestly it's really really tricky and there is a reason that so many people end up in positions that later they look back on and wonder what the fuck happened because it's not necessarily easy to trace how we got there so i've uh, i've spoken actually a couple of times not really very overtly about my abusive relationship from several years ago. And I've, I've alluded to it a handful of times. And yet I feel as though this particular episode is really the one that it's most relevant to. Uh, this was a, and so I'll just go ahead and tell this story. It feels relevant in terms of the, like how, how do you get somewhere without realizing it? Uh, this was a person, he was of, I think the, the second category of people that we were mentioning so like you know we have the people who are know what they're doing and are doing it on purpose we have the people who are doing it on purpose but maybe don't necessarily know exactly what they're doing and then we have the people who are just showing up looking for healing and love and uh and it's coming out in damaging ways right so he was he was the second kind second kind of person um narcissistic sociopath And I was relatively new to this community in in my city, in Portland. I was showing up for these group events. I started making friends. I showed up and was like, okay, cool. These are my people. I'm ready. I'm ready to dive in. I'm coming in open-hearted, like totally trusting and awesome. And he... Kind of cottoned on to me pretty darn quickly because here I was a, a brand new beautiful face in this group of people who hadn't met him yet, and he uh, he approached me and we started a relationship fairly quickly, and over the course of the relationship, you know, it's really interesting to look at like how was I feeling when we started? I was feeling open and curious and excited and trusting, and by the end, I was making really out of alignment decisions. I was making these decisions about my life based on this incredibly manipulative relationship, this incredibly manipulative dynamic where by the end of our relationship, I was firmly convinced that I wanted my life to be a certain way and that I, I was actually convinced that I wanted it to be like this. And yet that version of the life was what he wanted. And Uh, And I had some really unhealthy stuff come up. I had some extreme violations come up that I didn't even register as violations until I told a friend about it and she burst into tears and I had no idea why she was upset. There was that level of gaslighting. And remember gaslighting we talked about last week is where um, a technique of emotionally manipulative behavior where someone Convinces you that your reality is not your reality. So I I had no idea what my version of reality was I had stepped away from my psychic gifts. I had stepped away from um, From a lot of my really healthy connections. I had stepped away from Who I was? Because I was following this trail of emotional manipulation and I had no idea how I ended up at the end thankful even though again as aware as I am this happened so it can happen to anybody absolutely anybody And thankfully I realized it eventually and I did remove myself from the situation, but it took a lot of work and it took a lot of processing after the fact. I can speak about it totally cleanly now because I've done my work on it, but there is so much, there's so many resources out there for people who have been in these situations. And it took a lot of work on my part to be able to look at, Oh, that's how that happened. I get it now. Mm -hmm. Never again.
1: Yeah and just to say like this was a handsome, intelligent, adorable, engaging, uh just super fun and uh like just somebody who you who really um honestly it was somebody who you felt like you could just put your guard down around. And yeah. just be really uh playful and connection and like you know, with somebody who was really easy to connect to and really easy to talk to. And, um, he was
0: well known in the community. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody loved him.
1: Everybody loved him. He was a great yeah. guy. Everybody, you know, was his friend. And, um, you know, and it turned out that he was actually, uh, engaging in highly predatory behavior with many women in the community. And, when was confronted in our community just took off and joined another community. So, um, and, and, you know, never was, you know, had any ability or desire to, um, you know, look at himself or do any, you know, like not going to do it. So, you know, these people can be pillars of, a spiritual community so if you're entering into a community and you see that somebody is kind of they're leading things they're doing things they've got friends they whatever it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to engage in some kind of behavior that is not in full alignment with who they might seem on the outside so mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it all that stuff honestly doesn't mean anything
0: yep yeah it can be very 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 tricky and again there's I share that story pretty darn comfortably because I've done my work around it, but I also share it because it can happen to anyone. Like anyone can find themselves on the short end of the stick in a really sucky power dynamic or abusive situation or manipulative situation and treat yourself with compassion. If that's been you in the past or if if that is you eventually, it can happen to anybody and There are plenty of resources out there. There are many, many articles, many videos, many hotlines for people who have been in this sort of situation and coming to terms with all the really subtle layers of abuse. Because, you know, so yeah, this was an abusive relationship. I mean, he didn't beat me up, but it was still wildly fucked up. And it took me a long time to be able to call it an abusive relationship because I didn't have any bruises, but it it left marks for sure. So, and same with any of these situations, any of these, um, you know, these predatory spiritual relationships or these practitioners who aren't practicing ethically, even if it's not a, an abuse that you can point a finger at and say broken shoulder or whatever, it is still in the abusive spectrum. Yeah.
1: So thank you for sharing that, Michelle. You're welcome. Um, I want to talk about sex yeah <laughs> do it. sexiness so something that uh i've i've heard quite a bit um kind of from a lot of people and mostly women um haven't heard so much from men in the, this experience but i'm you know doesn't mean that's not happening um is that a practitioner Will uh, you'll go to see a practitioner in some way? So either doing some kind of physical, energetic work, maybe some kind of tantric work, breath work, uh, medicine ceremony work, something. And inside of the experience, all of a sudden, it turns into something sexual. Uh, you know, a touching. Um, something, you know, all of a sudden he's got his hands, you know, touching, um, your vagina, like there's something going on. And, uh, this is, this is, um, this is a a rampant occurrence actually. And, um, and it doesn't mean that there are like, I know so many high level, amazing incredible ethical male practitioners and it really sucks for um those practitioners that there is such an overabundance of of men taking advantage of this um this power that they have in in these uh healing experiences um that you know this has to be a, a major topic so just to say that just because someone is powerful, they're shamanic, they can, they're psychic, they can see things, they can hear things, they can move energy, they have power, they have, you know, they're working with spirits, they're whatever it is, they've been working with medicine, they're a sound healer, they're a practitioner of anything they're a genius they're uh they've been studying this modality they've been studying this lineage for 20 years like it doesn't matter at all like it does not mean that they are operating with any higher ethics or that they are, have done the internal personal development work that is you know going to keep them from doing something that they shouldn't do so um you know sometimes there are practitioners who are under this belief that you know they're like getting some sort of message or whatever to do this kind of work and this experience right so um and and it can be be common um that you know, you even you, you might even get that as a message. I know that I've been in a session with someone hands-on and really received, like, what this person really needs is, like, a tantric session. They need to uh, have, a, a, you know, intervaginal stimulation. They need, you know, they need something in this area of their body that's going to release the trauma that's being held there. Mm-hmm. Now, in that experience, I might receive that information, and go okay. So then, from there, there's a choice. Now, for some people, they would they would see like, oh, well, I'll just do that. Then I'll just start touching this person in this way. Um, for me, I think that that's completely wrong, and that if you you someone you someone is going to be touched in that way, if they need that kind of work from someone, it needs to be discussed outside of the session, completely when they're the most lucid possible with. All kinds of consent and information and boundaries, and this is what's going to happen, and this is, isn't what's going to happen. This is what it's about. This is what it isn't about. And uh, making that is a clear, very precise decision with that person to move forward or to refer them to somebody who's going to be able to do that work—that you know I am aware has ethics and, and is able to take care of them emotionally and spiritually and physically. Um, and, and not even making it an option for that session. Absolutely not. Not even bringing it up during no. that container. No. And um, so this is really for the practitioners out there who get that message. We will get that message because when you start tuning into people's systems, you'll, you can get the message. Oh, this is what this person needs to move forward. Don't do it in that context of that session. Don't do it if you're not actually trained in that work. You know, do not just, it's, it's not necessary. Um, it, it's not helpful. It's re-traumatizing to someone, number one. Um, and then number two, there's a lot of experiences that are happening where maybe someone's taking plant medicine. I would say 5-MeO-DMT. I've heard about this happening a lot with people who are, who are 5-MeO-DMT practitioners who are doing individual sessions with people, not in a group who um with a woman who will take this medicine which is a is a medicine that's in inhaled and it can pretty much shoot you out of your body it doesn't last for very long but but you can either really shoot you out of your body so that you're not aware of what's happening and then you wake up and something's happening you come to presence and something's happening or you get super embodied, really sensual, and you're you know, moving you know, through your body and then that becomes this kind of like turn on loop with this other person who's facilitating and then things happening from there. So this is a very real thing that's going on in the communities and just because someone is administering medicines does not mean that they are doing it ethically. So the, the warning that, that I'm, I'm really issuing is to, number one, do your research. But the research, honestly, isn't always going to get you the conclusion that you need. Um, ask women first and foremost. If you're, if you're a woman and you're going into a medicine experience with a man, ask women if if it is an ethical practitioner who's going to administer you one-on-one med- medicine they should be okay with you having someone there to hold space with them to be in presence with the experience that should be that should be okay honestly because if 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 they're not You know, if nothing, if everything is super above board and amazing, then why would that be an issue to have someone holding space there?
0: And Um, even if they're trying to use an argument of like, oh, but their energy might affect the session or whatever, any good practitioner knows how to hold an energetic container and it will be fine. I, I like to use the analogy of working on children, for example, doing energy healing sessions on children. I will not work on a minor unless their parent is there in the room. And it's fine, you know, like I can still do my work and, you know, their energy isn't interfering with the session at all. But if I'm working on anyone who is not of legal age or who I believe is not capable of offering really explicit informed consent, I will require that there is an advocate present for the session for them to be in the session.
1: Absolutely. And that's just, that's ethical, right? So, you know, As a, as a a massage therapist, um, I'm licensed in massage in California. There was no ethics course at all. Touch people, they're naked, no ethics course. In Portland, they have, uh, in Oregon, their massage credential has, um, they have a ethics class that you have to take. I think every two years, I think it's, you know, I don't know what it is like a few hours, a few hours of ethics. You've got to take the thing. Um, You know, four hours or something. Um, Other than that, there's not a lot of discussion. So you can look at um, a lot of energy workers, practitioners, a lot of shamans, um, a lot of people who administer plant medicine, uh, different kinds of meditation teachers there's no certification really for a lot of the people who are doing this work. They might get, they might get certified in a modality, but rarely in a modality training is, are there, is there very much said around ethics Mm -hmm. and uh, right behavior around scope of practice? Uh, You know, and so there are a lot of people out there who are doing these things and, and being these practitioners who have never maybe even considered some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're kind of going with their, what they're deciding is the thing to do in the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. It would be a good idea also, you know, as you're looking for practitioners or looking for teachers, it is always okay to ask, what is your code of ethics and professionalism? Do you have that written down somewhere? Can I see it? Can we talk about that? And uh, and so I want to speak, speaking of sexological body work, uh, Kat and I have a few friends in common who are sexological body workers, and they're, they're clinical sexologists. And so they actually facilitate sexual healing sessions, physical sexual healing sessions on people. They're not having intercourse with these people. This is not them having sex with the people, but it's using... physical manipulation like massage in the genital area to have healing experiences because we can store scar tissue or we can store trauma there just like we store it anywhere else in our body so it is a completely valid completely ethical practice when done properly when the container is held there are forms to sign and I've, I've received one of these sessions it was phenomenal I had to sign so many forms I had to fill out all this uh, all this paperwork and have consultation beforehand and talk beforehand and spelled out really clearly all the, the conditions of the session. So it was done very, very cleanly. And I was very much informed about what would take place, what would not take place and how to, uh, and how to set boundaries within this and that they were setting boundaries with me. So it is possible to do that work in a very clean, very impeccable way.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just like, let's flip it just for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I also in, you know, mentoring, um, others, I haven't, I've had a couple of sketchy clients who sort of, you know, like I'm working on them and they kind of like stick their hand on my butt, like, you know, or some sort of just like weird energy or saying weird things um, but I have had in, in mentoring, uh, practitioners have, you know, heard stories. Oh my gosh, this guy showed up and was in the session and he took his pants down and like all of these things. So, you know, it can happen on the other, on the other side where there are people who are looking for practitioners to touch them and be close to them and give them, you know, energy and love and, and stuff. And then it's you know flips and as they they think they're getting into something else so they think they're they're receiving something different um you know uh they they have something else in mind and so if if this comes up in a session like for a practitioner this can be really shocking and traumatizing because we're we're so like in alignment with what we're doing and then to have that happen is like oh my god what um so number one, like if ever anything is happening in a session that you don't feel comfortable around, like ending the session immediately, this session is over, I'm asking you to leave, uh, your safety and well-being is paramount, and sometimes we feel guilty if, you know, oh, this person paid me for this thing, and um, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be giving this, you know, massage, and I'm supposed to be whatever, it, it does not matter. Um, like we have to take care of ourselves. And so this is sometimes some things that come up every once in a while for people. It's not super common. Like none of this is common, but it does happen, right? It's not like you're going to run into it constantly. Um, but it, it, it can be an occurrence. And so the more clear you are with yourself, the more clear with your boundaries, with what you will and will not allow within your field, within your sessions, within your space, um, you know, the, the less that those things will occur. Um, but always be willing to just, no, this isn't happening. (laughs) Right. You know, no, I no, don't, I don't do that kind of work, right? It's like, you know, I've had, I've had men that have asked me, um, you know, especially as a, as a men's coach, having a men's coaching business for so long, you know, oh, do you do tantric work? Oh, do you do, you know, it's like, no, I'm not doing that with you. Sorry, that's not part of my offering. Um, if you would like a referral to someone who does that kind of work, I can, uh, I can send you some names of some people that I think would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No big deal. And- yeah, Kat, you're right. I
0: mean, this isn't a common occurrence by any means, but one bad experience with a healer or a practitioner can color your experience with any healer or practitioner. Yes. And so we're saying this not to scare you, not to put you on your guard, not to make you, you know, talk you out of ever going to see a practitioner ever again, but to inform you that this is a thing. And again, that. Ethical practitioners will be okay with you asking questions. They will be okay with you making sure that you feel safe in your work together. That is a number one priority for any practitioner, any coach, any healer, any shaman who is doing their work with integrity is that you feel
1: safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm
0: Same again for that flip side, for any of the practitioners, shamans, coaches, healers, et cetera, it is important that you feel safe doing this work with a client. So every, both, both people feel safe. Everyone's needs are met. Okay. Work can proceed. But as soon as there's element of weird power dynamic or taking advantage of or manipulation or anything like cut that and walk
1: away. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's such a, it's such a fascinating thing, right? That, that we, we get to be in these, um, you know, communities of people who are at all of these different stages of development and awarenesses and abilities to, you know, understand themselves and, and understand like actually being in community and being with other people around other people. And so, you know, like kind of coming to that third group of people who really are in the space of just kind of like this unawareness, right? They're operating from their triggers, from their shadow, from their own wounded self, from their trauma, um, you know, and having come into a spiritual community. So it doesn't take much for somebody to go to a festival, put on the festival clothes, take some mushrooms, decide that they're conscious. And then now they're in the spiritual community. Like they're full force. They're all in. They're like making pendants and doing sacred geometry art. And they're like full on, full on spiritual community person who's going to all the events. Everybody knows them it doesn't take much for somebody to enter into the community. So we can't just take everybody as much as we would love to just be like, I love everyone. I take everyone at face value to, to be like, okay, I, I'm going to put myself in a situation with a person because they're spiritual that I wouldn't put myself in a situation with somebody that I met in any other experience at, you know, whatever, at a bar or at a, you know, any other kind of place.
0: Just because they're there in the spiritual community doesn't mean that they're a safe person. Right. So So you're... doesn't matter
1: how many, like, how lit up their eyeballs are, or how many crystals they've got around their neck, or how many, you know, uh you know, how good their own is. <laughs> right.
0: Your practices of discernment again, Kat, I like the analogy that you used of like, say you met that person just out in the world at a bar. Would you put yourself in that same situation or are you assuming that, okay, since they're here at this conscious festival, there's this layer of, okay. Yes. Right. So please call yourself on that level of a little bit of bullshit as well. That it is, Okay. And here's another thing. So boundaries, right? It's okay to have boundaries. We've talked about this a lot before. There are so many people in these communities in these conscious and spiritual communities who have really shitty boundaries because there's this level of, oh, but because I'm here in this really loving community, I'm not allowed to say, no, thank you. Don't touch me. Like here I am at... Um, I'm on the dance floor at a conscious festival and I don't want to dance with somebody, but here I, we are like celebrating love. And I guess that means I have to dance with them, but I really don't want to, you know, there, we put ourselves in these weird mind trap situations where if I do this, it means that I'm not spiritual or it means that I'm not open or it means that I'm not loving. It doesn't mean that at all. Boundaries are a very loving thing. Boundaries are a very compassionate thing and boundaries belong in spiritual community just as much as they belong
1: anywhere else. Absolutely. It is okay to say no when someone says, Oh, I'm a hugger. Okay, great. Good for you. That's awesome for you. I'm not a hugger right now. You know, like it's okay to say no to um, people touching you, cuddling you, hugging you, whatever, it is absolutely appropriate to say so. And I know that in these communities that there can be this, um, almost like uh, assumption that I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to hug them. Um, I might nec- not necessarily want to do that. I mean, some days, some nights I might be like super open and huggy and other nights I really don't really want to hug very many people at all. Or I might feel comfortable hugging more women. But if I meet a man for the very first time, honestly, what I like to do is actually I would love to just touch a man's hand and shake his hand and look in his eyes and actually connect with him and say hello. And then let's have an amazing conversation. And when we leave the conversation, I'll give you a big fat hug. But I don't know you like I, I don't. I don't owe you a hug. I don't owe you my body. I don't owe you my, my energy field. I don't owe you anything just because you're in this community. And for a lot of people and especially women, we, we don't, we, we don't operate in that sense. We operate in the, in the, um, you know, kind of that the little girls who are, told you know all the things that we're told that to be nice and to you know go hug that person that you don't really want to hug you know the creepy uncle and the grandpa and stuff you don't really want to hug go hug that person be polite be nice smile you know be kind all of these things that we get told and then we end up in this community and we're like well if I'm not those things I'm going to look like a total outsider and I'm not going to be accepted and I'm going to be labeled. I'm going to be a bitch. I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be whatever. Um, kind of have to let that stuff go. (laughs) I know I've had to deal with it and just be like witnessing within myself like that, like, uh, uncomfortability with just being like, hi. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good with just connecting with you and not giving you a hug right now. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, sometimes it can take people by surprise a little. I do the wave thing. If I don't feel like touching anybody at all, I just go, hey. And and then later I might decide to hug them or not. But I mean, there's sometimes, I don't want people touching me sometimes. And if I'm feeling very sensitive or I'm around a lot of people, it's just, hey. And,
1: and that's enough. And that's the thing is like, we're, you know, here we are, we're a group of, you know, psychic, shamanic, empath, you know, people who work with energy and emotions and all of these things. And then we're expecting ourselves to go into a 50 or hundred, you know, people and like keep touching people and, and, you know, being intimate in this way, which can be very ungrounding and, you know, be a good reason not to go out at all. Um, and be like me, I'm like in my little cottage like hiding, um, <laughs> hiding from the world. So I don't have to touch people. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, a, it's, uh,
0: yeah. it's a good one for sure. I want to give people some, we've sprinkled a few pieces of advice throughout our conversation today, but what are some really grounded takeaways that we can offer you about, Uh, Finding, you know, kind of noticing these people, but also making sure you don't put yourself in these positions in the first place. Number one, boundaries, sovereignty. (laughs) sovereignty. Number one, the the better boundaries and the sovereignty that you have of like, I am who I am and this level of unfuck with ability and you know, it's okay to say no. That's really like the number one. You are much, much less likely to find yourself in any of these positions if you have a really strong sense of boundaries. Admittedly, in I'll just finish real quick admittedly in my in my situation that I shared with you about this abusive relationship I was entering this community as a wide open like care bearer love beam of like hey Here's my people. I had really crappy boundaries at that point in my life um, Because there was this hunger for connection and there was this excitement about discovering this group of people I totally own that for myself and I kind of overcorrected to the other side there for a minute, and I was definitely walls up, but now I' found the healthy medium, but boundaries best friend
1: yeah, and this is when you when you have that, when you exude this sense of self awareness self containment, sovereignty, boundaries, um, honestly, you're actually seen as a more powerful force in the community and um know someone that people are more respectful of that they're more actually likely to work with Um, because it's not all leaky and um you know and if you want to dive deeper into this we i believe we have a whole episode on boundaries right from kind of last year early on i think somewhere in there um go back to shaman sister sessions on youtube or on itunes And we did a whole episode on boundaries, one of the most important things that we can have as practitioners, as people in general. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So boundaries and sovereignty, number one for not ending up in a weird, (laughs) abusive, manipulative, power dynamic, predatory situation.
1: What else? On both sides, both for the boundaries and sovereignty for both the practitioner and and for anybody who's seeking help. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, really a lot of just following that gut instinct, following the intuition and the inner guidance, listening to your body when, if your body freaks out and is like, ah, which some of us actually don't have a really good uh, read on what's going on inside of our body. We don't, we don't, um, we either are over. Like we're over feeling um, things as being unsafe or we just don't really actually have a good navigation of things that are running into unsafe mode. So really sitting with yourself and starting to have an inquiry as to where you are in that spectrum, you know, and starting to develop a, uh, a relationship with your own body to be able to start to get the feedback that you need, which you might need to go see a practitioner about and start actually moving trauma and moving energy and emotions through the body, starting to reconnect, starting to have a, a, a self care and uh, embodiment practice, which will help you to, um, you know, be able to be aware of things as they're happening. In the situations, mm-hmm. mm.
0: I feel like you grouped a lot of them in that one. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of pieces there. There's the discernment part. There's the have a personal practice part, um, and there's the trusting yourself. All of those were within what you said. Yeah, it's okay. great asking questions. Also, we uh, I think we kind of underlined that one a whole lot but ask questions of your practitioner ask questions of people who have worked with that practitioner before ask for what, your needs to be met around safety have a safety conversation that's totally okay like you know like you would have a safe sex conversation which i'm a huge advocate of by the way um have a safe ceremony conversation have a safe whatever conversation you know kind of that same agreement
1: Absolutely. It is absolutely okay to ask, um, what's going to happen here? You know, what, what what are my expectations? Mm -hmm. Um, and if, if you're entering into, you know, if you are entering into an experience with someone that is more on this like tantric, sexological, there's probably going to be a safe word like, you know, where you can, you should be able to, and should feel like you are able to stop the experience at any moment. And for that to be okay. Um, and to, to have that is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had a massage
0: therapist, uh, have a, and I mean the safe word was stop, but she had me, say it too. And she's the only massage therapist I've ever had do this. But you know, at the very beginning, she said, and if at any time you want me to stop or take my hands off of you, the word is stop. And she actually had me practice it. And I thought that was really cool. I thought that was very consent informed.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that as we uh, dive deeper into the realms of consent, I know a lot of times people come to see me and they're just like, I have no idea what's going to (laughs) happen. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) um, I can't tell you exactly everything that's going to happen because I don't know either, but you know, here's kind of a little outline of probably what we're going to do today or probably what might happen in this session coming up. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, within that also as a practitioner. So yesterday I had a consultation call with somebody who's, coming to me tomorrow it was a man who wrote me a message on my um on my website and he's like hey I want to come in for a session and uh what does it charge what you know when can I book it and uh, what do you charge and uh that's not actually how I work I don't I don't I don't actually work with people that way so you can't just book a session with me um so I uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, I have different options, but let do this to book a consultation and we're going to have a conversation first. Um, and that n- for me is number one, to be able to figure out exactly what's the, you know, what's the best, you know, course of treatment for this person. And, and, you know, am I, you know, what am I getting, ba- what am I getting myself into? But like, this is a person who's going to come to my home who I'm going to give the code to my gate of my home to, who, you know, like I wanna check in and actually meet this person online, face to face, before I just invite someone into my space. And mm-hmm. he was, he had never done that before. He was like, ah, oh, I've never had this experience before. I've always just like booked a thing. Well, you know, that's part of me keeping myself safe and knowing what I'm getting into beyond, you know, also the other reasons that I, that I utilize that system in order to really be able to tune into people and figure out what I'm gonna do with them.
0: hmm There's a, one of the reasons that boundaries and these safety practices are so loving is that, Pat, by doing all of those things for you to keep yourself safe, people actually, the people on the receiving end actually feel safer because of that. There's this, you know, there's this layer of, oh, there's all this care taken to create a really impeccable container that people can relax into the safety. You know, if you're saying like, these are the conditions under which the work is taking place, like, this is how I roll, this is what I require, then it's like, oh, really clear expectations. I can show up for that. And also, there's more freedom for them to then express whatever safety needs that they have as well.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I know that um, I think some people are a little bit concerned with, oh, if I make my clients go through too many hoops, then they won't book
1: with me. Right. And,
0: yeah, and it's actually a really good thing to have hoops, right, where you have the consultation, you have the forms, you have whatever um, meeting that you require before you start working together. You know, that, those are all things that if they're not willing to do that with you, you don't want to work with them anyway. Right, like a form takes what five minutes, right? And but it's a layer of agreement. It's a layer of consent. It's a layer of the safety container.
1: Yeah, and you know you you're gonna figure that out as to what really works for you. But just to give some space into um, into a consideration of what, what what really works for me to do this work in the world. Um, yeah. What else, Michelle?
0: for how to not
1: be in a predatory situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, those are really good ones right there. You know, the sovereignty boundaries, um, trusting yourself, having a dedicated personal practice, asking questions. um,
1: Those are, I mean, research. So is- from there, if you do end up in a situation where something like this happens, where you feel like you've been taken advantage of, where something has gone down that's been um, disturbing, traumatizing, et cetera, et cetera, um, number one, Try not to fall into like the shame spiral of I did this, I called this in, I created this, I'm stupid, I'm whatever, whatever, oh, this is because of me, I did this and that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it can, it can really, uh, be very damaging, um, to, to be in that, that space of just like, ah, oh, I'm horrible, um, right.
0: It's not, which just, it can also prevent you from reaching out to ask for support.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is the next thing that really is the, the thing to do, right? Is to reach out and ask for support. And this isn't always the easiest thing um, because there will be some people who might not believe you because this person is a pillar of the community or is this sort of practitioner or that wasn't their experience with this person. Mm. Um, where they just don't want to deal with any of this shadow shit. Um, But there, there are,
0: go ahead. Go ahead. What? I was going to say there are professional organizations that offer support for various types of abuse um, or manipulation. There are plenty of online resources. If you don't feel ready to talk to somebody immediately, just go look for articles on narcissistic sociopaths or articles on um, on emotional abuse or energetic abuse. Actually, I, I don't know. I've, I've never read an article on energetic abuse, but I'm sure they're out there, maybe on like Elephant Journal or something. But um, but emotional abuse and gaslighting and some of these other subtle realms, there's plenty of information. If you're not ready to talk to somebody yet, go inform yourself. You're not crazy. Avoid the shame spiral. And then maybe eventually you'll be ready to actually speak to somebody else
1: right. about it. And, you know, I will say that I have, I've, um, I've had, uh, people who have come to me. I've had women who've come, who've had an experience with a practitioner and then they've sort of, um, you know, gone to that said, Oh, actually this was wrong. You shouldn't have done this. And then that person, you know, it comes up with all of these amazing excuses as to why that was the right thing to do or you asked for it or you wanted it or this was for you or this was for your healing or this was whatever um if that's the response that you're getting just stop don't there's no need to engage this person is not listening this person is not taking accountability they're not taking responsibility like distance yourself at, as soon as possible do some cord cutting energetic cord cutting um there's blog post on my website about cord cutting. Like there's lots of, of resource out there about cord cutting. Do some cord cutting with this person energetically um, and seek help elsewhere. Uh, and you know sometimes it really does if you know having conversations that are very challenging with you know people who you feel like will listen and will support you and will um be able to hold space for you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Anything I, else we have to go? Um, I feel like that's quite a lot. It's quite a lot. And um, I think one more piece is that uh, this is a conversation that needs to be had. And unfortunately it, it is. And it's a conversation that is, I believe, You know, here to gain more traction, we as uh, the conscious community, as the healers, as those who are shifting uh, consciousness and, uh, you know, raising the vibration, all of what we're doing uh, by holding the energy that we're holding, the light, the love, the frequency that we're able to bring through to help to shift the evolution of consciousness, um, we have to deal with this because this is a a huge part of society. And in order for humanity to rise into the heart and to rise into this next layer of our evolution and development, we have to deal with the lower baser energetics that have to do around power, sex, money, And we're seeing this uh, being expressed out in the, in the real world. We're seeing it in, in politics and Hollywood and everywhere, everywhere. And, um, and we're having to deal with it here too. So we can start to kind of see that there's this larger reasoning behind, well, why is this happening in these communities? And why is this so pervasive? Well, because it has to be moved through the system in order to be completely healed, in order to truly find the light, these shadows must rise to the surface. So we're being called to look at this to talk about it, to support each other through this, not to spiritually bypass this and to be like, this person called it in or, or, you know, like I, you know, this love and light, I don't want to look at this. That's not what, what we're being called to do. Um, we're, and we're also not being called to just be like, Oh, you're horrible. You're bad. You suck. Get out of here. Like, we don't want you in our community. Like, There is some process that we are being called into as a collective to heal this, to support those that can and will be able to move through their shadow as well through therapeutics, community involvement, interaction, um, you know, interventions, uh, things that will support a certain subset of these people who actually can deal with themselves and their shit. And then, you know, also to disengage from those people who truly cannot will not um don't want to they do not they will not deal with themselves in this lifetime and to disengage and one more thing just that if you are personally in your trauma if you're personally dealing with your childhood abuse with uh, rape with with sexual abuse with things that are happening for you if it's if it's in your field very present it might not be the best time for you to be actively engaging in certain aspects of this conversation and things like take care of yourself first and foremost get the healing that you need seek help as you need it um, and you know, give yourself the space from experiences if, you know, like, oh, I I don't really need to go in and go re-traumatize myself inside of this, this conversation right now. What I really need is to go home and love myself and, um, you know, go to my therapist, go to my, my somatic uh, healer, go to um, the people who are supporting me right now. You, you don't have to uh be a part of this any more than than what you're capable of at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Giving ourselves permission to take on what we have the capacity for and nothing more is a very, very important thing to do. Um, that's that's something that I personally dropped the ball on real hard in my situation and i uh i was trying to show up for everybody else's healing in the midst of trying to show up for my own healing and it didn't work that well so i want to also point out that obviously the tools that we talked about for sovereignty boundaries self-awareness personal yeah personal practice and um and being embodied all of these are very very applicable in absolutely any situation not just in terms of avoiding the predation within the spiritual community, but extrapolating that out to who are we interacting with in our lives on a daily occurrence on, you know, kind of the everyday level, there are again, all these people that we discuss. these exist, these potential situations exist in all of our communities, in all of our situations. So if you feel as though, okay, I'm going into a place where maybe I feel a little bit vulnerable, as you know, kind of trust and tune in with yourself, tune in with your sovereignty, your boundaries, your embodiment practice, so that when you go into a situation, you are that much less likely to be put in a position where you're at the whim of a predator or where you are subject to predatory behavior. So we have the little microcosm of our spiritual bubble, our spiritual communities that teaches us all the lessons for going out into the world.
1: <sighs> yeah. And when we could look at it that way, then it, I don't know, I think it makes it a little easier for us to go, oh, so stuff happens here too, and it's okay. I don't have to completely go live in the mountain by myself. I can still be part of the community. I can be part of the healing. Mm -hmm. It's still love. Like, there's still light. It doesn't mean that this whole community is full of shit and, like, there's nothing good here for me. Um, There are a lot of people who I've seen you know, reject the spiritual community because of, you know, something that's gone on, something they've seen or had happened to them or witnessed. Um, and to really just, you know, go, okay. Yeah. Like this is, this is everywhere and we are in need of dealing with it now. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I wonder if we should have done a trigger warning at the beginning of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> that just occurred to me. It's like.
1: <laughs> Uh, i don't know i think we did pretty well did we do okay you guys yeah we didn't we didn't get too explicit no okay yeah okay. um yeah so this is a conversation that needs to be had so we welcome any of your comments uh anything that you want to reflect on uh around this topic please feel free to write to us on our facebook page Sessions at gmail.com uh feel free to send us an email, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. You can um, watch this or share this, um, you know, maybe in a Facebook group, a community that you're a part of, uh, you know, the, that's having conversations around these things uh, might be a good place to share this just so that we can start to have this as a, as a conversation for all of us. You know, how, one of the things, um, you know, as, God, am I like an elder? I don't know. Uh, in this community is to, you know, we owe our younger, um, our younger brothers and sisters who are just blasting into this, uh, reality and community with all of their little open chakras and, and crystal being that they are, um, you know, we, we owe it to them to be having this conversation and to be, you know, supporting them so that they don't have these experiences and, and, you know, fall prey to things that are going to, um, shut down their, uh, their spiritual, uh, development and growth. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, here we are.
0: Yep. And if you are interested in sharing this episode around, you can find it on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Shaman Sister Sessions, or if you would like to share the audio or go back and listen to the audio, it's on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Do you, uh, Kat, I've got a couple announcements of events. Um, let's just take a quick minute for that. For those of you in Portland, I on the Friday, this Friday the 17th in the evening, I'm having a Scorpio New Moon Lunar Alchemy event Like more information, go ahead and uh, shoot me an email, Michelle at joyofenergy.com, if you'd like uh, details for that. Also, on the afternoon of Saturday, the 18th, I am debuting some of my work with dragons. I've been doing a lot of work with dragons lately, and I want to play with them, and I want to invite you to come play with them with me. So, again, shoot me a, a message for that if you'd like. I have a Scorpio project going on, so it's planting the seeds of magic. I'll be very, very brief about that. So if you're intrigued in planting the seeds of magic with this Scorpio new moon, which is my favorite moon, Scorpio moon, go ahead and shoot me a message for that as well. And Kat is coming to visit <laughs> Portland. I'm so excited. She hasn't been here since what, look, August of last year?
1: It's been a long time.
0: <laughs> it's been more than a year. So she's finally coming to visit. I am thrilled and of course you can bet that we will be getting together to create a magical offering for you we have a save the date bookmarked for sunday the 26th so if you'd like to know what magic we're brewing over here go ahead and shoot us a message and we'll send you details for that event as well
1: yay thanks michelle yeah what do you have going on I have no idea. That's, I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> you're coming to Portland. I'm coming to Portland. So if you're interested in a, in a one-on-one session, I might have time for one or two, maybe.
0: Or for working with both of us together.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that would be fun if you want to do a duo session with Michelle and I and like get your socks knocked off. Um, it's ridiculous. This it yeah. it was, is great. No, no way of knowing what might happen in that experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, let us know. Reach out. And otherwise, I oh, we haven't discussed this net yet. But I believe next week I will be traveling to Portland during our usual Shaman Sisters session hour. So we're probably going to be moving that uh, in some way or another. Uh, to uh, we'll we'll put mm-hmm. notifications up around that. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's it for today and looking forward to hearing from you all and uh, many blessings,
0: many blessings.